This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Dying to Tell, bringing to life conversations about death and dying. If you're dying to know, we are dying to tell on Joy 94.9. In November last year, I attended the launch of a report on the future of death and ageing released by Portable, a Melbourne-based team of researchers, designers and developers. And for the first time in 10 years of attending end-of-life and death care events, I wasn't the youngest in the room. In fact, I was one of the oldest. So how have Portable managed to engage a young, diverse community in death and ageing? And what have they discovered in putting together this extensive report? Joining me in this studio are Peter Roper and Bonnie Graham from Portable. Welcome to Joy and thanks for being here. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks. So let's begin with some introductions. Peter, can you explain Portable, the company, and some of the important work that Portable has done in the past and what your role there is and your involvement with this report? Portable is a, an agency that seeks out areas of policy failure and social need and tries to, to help in, in, that, in various different ways through using design and technology. What that means is we work with clients, many in the public sector, like government agencies, as well as not-for-profit organisations, to do a whole range of things, and that might include user research, user experience design, web design, service design, development in the technical sense, implementing websites and apps and, and, and all sorts of things, um, as well as then maintaining those those assets over time. How that links, I guess, to what we're talking about today is that we identify areas where there, there's a lot of potential in terms of improving the experience for citizens and, and users. And when we say citizens, we just mean regular people. So we're not, we're not working with clients who you know, go after certain areas of the market because they're more profitable. We're talking about services for, for everyday people um, that are living in Australia. So our research into death and ageing really builds upon or adds another another area to our research and development portfolio, I guess you'd call it at this point. In previous years, we've, we've done research and developed various uh, solutions or ideas in spaces such as access to justice, and we now do a lot of work um, with, with various clients in the public sector. In that, uh, we look at bureaucracy and how public sector, um, public servants can innovate within bureaucratic environments. We've looked at infrastructure, future of work, and this is all, so, all part of a really strong research and development initiative or ongoing ongoing arm of Portable where we, where we don't get bound by what we've done in the past. We go forward into areas that we think we can make a big impact in and just start exploring. And so this research into death and ageing started from of our own bat, it was not with a with a you know a, a client saying, "Hey, we need we have a project in a certain area." It was very much off our own bat, and and has grown from there. My role is business affairs lead, uh, and I work on a range of different things within the business. But what's really great about the 
the research and development work we do, um, and especially in in death and aging, is that it brought in a lot of people from all over the all over the company with various skill sets, from strategy to design to development, who just had some interest in the space. And Bonnie, what about you? So I'm a design strategist at Portable, so I very much work in the beginning of projects, looking at researching the landscape of the problem understanding the problem deeply and making sure that we're focusing on the right problem and making sure we're working towards a solution for the right area of the need. I guess getting involved with the research and development project at Portable, it's great because people come from every team, every discipline within the studio, but in particular death and ageing, it's something that everybody has an experience with or will at some point in their life. So it was pretty engaging across the whole studio which was really exciting. And, you know, I mentioned in my opening words that I'm particularly interested in how you connected with a younger, more diverse community than what I normally say at events in this space. Perhaps you can talk about um, a little bit about some of the events and how you brought people in. I mean, obviously you are a fairly young and dynamic and diverse group within the office, from what I've seen. Um, how did you engage in a wider community and how did you get young people, you know, to start talking about death? I think it's to do with the fact that prior to starting this research and this started late 2017 but prior to to doing this we weren't known in this space this is not death and aging is not what you would associate with portable until we started doing this research project and so we have uh, an existing audience of people that that are you know like-minded and interested in in using design and technology to to tackle you know a whole range of different areas of social need but what we i mean interestingly what we found is that the people who came forward they didn't see us doing stuff and go oh yeah that's something i'm interested in some did but many people were, were already working in the space so it's interesting to see i guess the maybe the silos that pop up and so we had lots of lots of people who were already interested in death and aging and were of a, like were young younger than me you know maybe doing an arts phd and and got into it or were in public sector or were in medicine or, or whatever it may have been and bonnie maybe you can talk a little bit to some of the specific events because mm. they were quite interesting what what you were doing yeah definitely i think something that really blew us away was that um we opened up this can of worms of talking about death and aging to a wider audience that you didn't have to be old older or you didn't have to be dying and we just found this hugely engaged audience so this kind of perceived taboo around the subject was kind of broken down even for us um, as we started out into the project so we began with a bunch of desktop research um, and then we did what we do best and um, threw out some research to do some to the public to do some user um, testing so we got people in to do a survey um based around your ideal death. So we called it the limbo survey and it was a concept basically that you, uh, we got people to come into the studio, we put on some cocktails aptly um, (laughs) themed to the death and aging night. We put on some uh, bossa nova and tropicala kind of themes and really tried to change the mood of the conversation around death and aging, which was really great. Um, And then we asked people um, to engage with this survey that we'd written, which was, kind of set in a tangible future and your um, consciousness has been preserved but in in a way the only thing that's been erased is how you how you died so we wanted people to rewrite what their um, memory would be of their ideal death and it was amazing (laughs) once we asked these people to engage with this survey 
that I mean, we were a few, you know, people had had cocktails, we'd had some music and the room just went silent and everybody just engaged with this survey. It was fantastic. And some of the quotes from that survey are in this report and they are mm. fantastic Absolutely. reading some of the responses that you got are really really interesting yeah yeah, yeah really moving yeah and there's so many so. more we wish we could share yeah. more yeah but the, report, the report got long enough as it is that we that, yeah we had to leave some out but it's amazing that when when you frame it in a really positive way and perhaps the hypothetical element it, it very much helped as well but people who may not be super eager to talk about it have a lot of thoughts nonetheless even if not something they had a chance to bring up before and i think to creating a safe space a Mm. place where people are eating and drinking and it's you know there's no pressure it is just a a kind of a social environment in a you know your office is a very very nice place to come anyway so it's not like walking into a funeral home and being asked to do something (laughs) like that it's very different isn't it Lying to rest the cliches and platitudes and bringing to life conversations on death and dying. We are Dying to Tell on Joy 94.9. Who were some of the experts that you interviewed? I mean, obviously they're, they're people you know, from the community that, you, that have engaged and been brought in, but what about the experts that you were interviewed mm. for, for this report? There was a whole heap of, of one-on-one interviews with, with various people. So we spoke to, to medical professionals from palliative care experts to, to GPs, also you know another end of the spectrum or, or whatever you want to call it, to people working in artistic fields, which was quite interesting in terms of the future of death specifically around the alternate burials and things. Some great help from, from there's, a, there's a death team at um, the University of Melbourne. Michael Arnold specifically opened, opened our event um, that you referred to before. And we've had uh, Michael in here. We interviewed him last year. Great. Yes. Who else? Also, uh, people working in the public sector. Like, um, and there's a lot that, that deal with this because you know, if you just think about someone dies, there's a, there's a thousand government agencies, not to mention the, the commercial sector, that need to know about it. One of the interesting things and one of the solution areas that that could do with a lot of help is in making that smoother for the people dealing with the dealing with the accounts and, and assets of of someone close to them that's died. In the report, it states that um, you've spoken with people from 18 right through to 85. Mm. What are the sensitivities of talking with an 18-year-old as compared with an 85-year-old? Something that really surfaced through the research was that death is a very intimate um, affair. And whilst there was lots of engagement to talk about the topic, people wanted to be a part of the conversation and be a part of the services or solutions that may come out of these types of needs because everybody had a specific idea or um, need that they would like to have input on it being addressed through whatever the outcome was of this research which was really interesting Um, but in terms of sensitivities yeah it it does relate to some of the other work we've, we've done at portable and we've done a lot of work in in the youth mental health space Creating those spaces uh, was definitely a, a, a big consideration for for this project. Funnily enough, probably we were probably overly cautious at the beginning about how sensitive we should be. But having said that, you know, nobody that came along were, was surprised about the content. They knew people knew what they were getting into, and so there was help on hand if anyone if anyone needed to step out or or needed to talk to someone. Um, yeah, I think that was important. We were conscious mm. of creating a safe space to have this discussion. So if at any point someone needed to tap out, there was a couch and probably a cocktail waiting. <laughs> and I guess this leads me into um, my next question about the language that you used in the report. I mean, I noticed there are no euphemisms mm. um, and there are very few cliches. 
Who actually wrote the report and how difficult was it to find that balance between pragmatism and sensitivity to the subject matter? Mm. Um, it was a group effort to write the report. Uh, so Bonnie and I were, were two, of the, two of the main authors, but there was two others, Ryan, Ryan and Sarah, and a whole heap of other people contributed to it as well. It wasn't as difficult as you might think. I personally and, and, and at Portable were very big, very big proponents of plain language and accessibility for a wide audience, and so we don't like BS, basically. If, if, there's a, if there's a simpler way to say something, a shorter way to, to use, we'll use it. And I think that's very important here. As, as um, Bonnie mentioned before, our, there's no target market for this. Every, and for a lot of the work we do, it's, it, it needs to be accessible to literally everyone. Everyone is an end user in, in death. <laughs> Which, um, unsurprisingly, a lot of other things as well in terms of government services. Well, I found the report very easy to read and it's very nice to look at too with the layout and the colours and the format. Um, Throughout the report runs the story of Bernie and Sam. Can you explain a little bit about this story and how important this thread was to the report? Mm -hmm. Mm. So I guess um, Bernie and Sam came out of... um a bunch of research where we identified it's not only the person that may be facing death um, that is a key user or, or character in this kind of narrative, but actually the people around them that are supporting them or are very close to the person that is dying. So initially we had a user A and a user B, which is very sterile and cold. So we thought this is, this is something that people experience in a range of ways in a, and it's a very personal thing that they experience. So we, we, yeah, we decided to write the report in a different, different way and create a narrative where it was actually you could identify and empathise with all these emotions, all these tasks, all these decisions that both Bernie and Sam were faced throughout the entire experience because it's not something that is just straightforward or a procedure like other things that we've researched. So it was a way to kind of engage you to really feel and come along with the ride with Bernie and Sam. And we also tried to make it, um, I guess, non-gender biased so that you could insert yourself into the story. So you might be Bernie or you might also be Sam. And Bernie and Sam could be either or. That's or right. Either yep. or, or, you know. Any, any cultural background. That was actually the hardest thing about yeah, the, it was. the, the writing was, of the report was yes. keeping the language and references to Bernie and Sam That's right. gender neutral because everyone that worked on it had their own, I guess, first perception of mm. who, like, Bernie was a, was a, was a man, Sam was... A, a woman. See, Bernie could be Bernadette too. Totally, exactly. Exactly. Which, and that's and, you know, that's yeah. the point. The, yeah, the, it was very there, was, there, there are no, no gendered pronouns in the report no, exactly. at all. Mm. In bringing the story of two people, you know, even though they're they're conglomerates of, of of many different people to life, is that it draws on and brings to life something that we do focus on as a core part of what we do at Portable, and that's bringing the user out and bringing the voice of the user out. And so, in any rep- any report, whether it's our own project or a client project, quotes from real people, bringing that to the front through through the stories of Bernie and Sam was was a really important way for us to to complement the the other parts of the report that that may be more i guess reporty or however you want to describe it more more like typical report style writing and there are sections of the report like that um but we for the purposes of what we do it was essential to to really bring it down to the individual level did any of the portable team members have any reservations about working in this space yes there, there were some staff that had some sensitivities to it, and I, I guess that's um, 
that was that's what's the beauty of the research and development projects is that it's an opt-in process so everybody that worked on the process uh, sorry on the project um, volunteered to be involved and there was at any time you can tap out if you need to or if your schedule is you know overwhelmed people were tapping in and um, tapping out tapping in again throughout the entire project um, but it, it was something as much as we uh, were conscious of creating a safe environment for uh, people that we invited in to have these conversations that was also echoed throughout the studio so and how hmm. do you feel Bonnie having worked in the space I it's been it's been really enlightening actually I actually yeah I didn't realize until we started digging into this um, topic that I had unconsciously just accepted a taboo around the topic. And so once we started to talk about it, I started to understand how natural it is a part of life, yet it's not talked about or celebrated as much as the other end, which is birth. You know, we have birth plans and we we know, we plan, we research and we discuss and celebrate these things. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there's not the same kind of conversations happening it was very rewarding to a process to go through and project to work on and it's only just beginning actually we've we've got a whole tranche of things we want to do over the next you know year and 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 into the future as well but but yes it's certainly increased my death literacy and real and made me realize how we are and can be consumers in the experience and and we're, we're not just stuck with the defaults just because you know people don't know about it and 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 haven't learned about it um, so one of our big, you know, wishes for this report is is to help people just, I guess, realise that there are choices to be made and, and they do have power as, as consumers. And, you know, perhaps it's blunt to talk about it in terms of dollar and market power, but uh, if we want an industry to change or any industries to change, that's actually the a really powerful way to do it. Is, is that is what, was money. that one of the aims? Were you, were you hoping to, to make change within... No, in the- the- I mean, to say there were aims at the start is 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 pro- like specific aims is, is is a bit generous. It was actually just identified as an area we wanted to explore and using you know what, uh, um, uh, the framework that we have as as designers and using human centered design. I was going to say your timing is kind of interesting with the Royal Commission into yes. um, aged care quality and safety just about to begin obviously on mm. the 8th of February and you're releasing this at the end of last year. I mean, what hopes do you have for legislative change through that? From our point of view, what we what we hope to come out of it is is I guess the recognition that like death is never going to be never going to be a a great experience obviously but that doesn't mean it can't be better for specifically not specifically but equally for the person who's dying but also they the person close to them who has to deal with all the all the stuff and there's a lot of stuff to deal with um you know not including grief and having lost someone after someone uh, has passed and it's think, a night it's a nightmare i think you know from what i see that's the hardest thing is that oftentimes it is a one-off experience and by the time people get to the other side the you know the carer or the the child or you know the partner or whoever it is that is is going through this process they just want to be done and and never have to think about it again Mm. so there's not that follow-through that is required to really generate serious change because people put it down and think oh thank god that's done you know like i hope i never have to do that again well yeah thankfully not many people get practice at it which yeah. is a good thing, but also for 
for for sharing knowledge. It's not. A, no, it's, it's not, not a, a good thing. thing. It's a, yeah. it's a really tough thing to to generate change. Mm. So, what is now on the to do list for portable in the space of death and aging? You know, through this, and there's actually we're making revisions to the report at the moment, but in the in the revised one, there's a there's a page or maybe two pages of basically just acknowledging all the things that this report or a report titled "The Future of Death and Aging." could have covered but didn't and so it's something like 80 pages already on its own um there are it, it could it could be thousands and thousands of pages um because there are so many things we we couldn't have got to or, or couldn't have included just because we have gone insane or or, or never got Dude, around so never vast. got around to <laughs> it's so it is vast right. but for us it's we we have um and part of the report showcases a few of the uh, concepts of apps that we that we showcased at that um research and development demo night um, that you attended, Stephanie, and taking some of those further based on the feedback we got and ongoing feedback with um, we've started a reference group. Um, if anyone wants to get involved, uh, we have a reference group that we're hoping we can meet up with um, quite regularly throughout this year uh, to to take some of those concepts further because at that point, by the time we'd published a report, they were concepts. We never designed anything in isolation without talking to real users, so that user participation will be what drives those forward uh, and we're pretty excited about that general wishes from the report that we mentioned in it and that is just to to increase and encourage death literacy and thinking about the issues earlier and i mean that's the biggest challenge i think in that like most people die without a will yet most deaths are expected that tells us how hard it is to get people to actually think about, have conversations and take action um, when they still can. Uh, and so, I mean, some of our some of our ideas for, for services or products address or go some way towards addressing that problem. Um, but there's so many others and there's so, so, many, so much opportunity in this space. And that's, I think that's the exciting thing. Uh, but yeah, it, it's daunting, but, but very exciting. Yeah. And Bonnie, finally... How can people access this report and why is it important that they read it? I think it's important to read it because um, you're going to die at some point. <laughs> and the the sooner that you can, um, yeah, become death literate, which was one thing that we were hoping to even just start the conversation through the report about understanding what are your options or having the conversation with your loved ones. What are your decisions and, and are they known? Um, so you can access it through the portable website, um, portable.com.au. And also, if you want to be involved with the reference group, uh, click us an email at death at portable.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, please get involved. We encourage everyone's an end user, including ourselves. So the more the merrier, really. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.